Whether you're a crypto newbie, an established investor, or operating a business in Web3, tax season can be an absolute headache. But it doesn't have to be a nightmare. That's where Crypto Tax Calculator comes in. The software platform founded in 2018 by brothers Shane and Tim Burnett, crypto fanatics who were fed up with the complexity of doing their taxes. As Coinbase's official global tax partner, CTC focuses on simplifying complex transactions, supporting over 300,000 currencies across Ethereum, Arbitrum, Optimism, as well as 1,000 other integrations. Sign up at realvision.com forward slash CTC and get an exclusive 30% discount with the code RV30 at checkout. Will inflation put the kibosh on rate cuts? Welcome to Real Vision Daily Briefing. It's Tuesday, February 13, 2024. I'm Ash Bennington, joined today by Tom Thornton, founder of hedge fund Telemetry. Tom, always a pleasure to do these shows with you. Man, it's great to be back. It's nice to see you, Ash, and um, always great to be back on the Daily Briefing. And especially great to have you back on a day where there's some market action. Look, we got a hot print on CPI today. Big picture, Tom, what's your thinking about these markets right now? Well, look, today was just an absolute nightmare for basically anybody. Uh, no place to hide type market. You saw the bond market go nuts. Rates uh, spiked above a resistance level that I've been talking about as a risk that would actually pressure stocks, um, not necessarily just bonds, but stocks as well. It hit gold, it hit Bitcoin, it hit just about everything. And it was a market that just had no places to hide. Breath was horrible uh, all day, even though we bounced, it remained uh, pretty awful all day. Yeah, so Tom, let's talk about some of those numbers here. Uh, closing out the day, uh, everything, a lot of red on the screen across the board, every major US equity index down. Uh, S&P 500 down below 5,000 off, uh, looks like call it 1.4% or thereabouts on the day. NASDAQ, even worse, trading at 15,655 off, uh, approximately 1.8% on the day. And you mentioned the spike in uh, yields on the Treasury side, obviously decline in prices there. Uh, pretty significant. You look at that chart, whatever it is, 15 or so basis points on the two-year yield. Uh, just an ugly, ugly morning uh, for equities, an ugly morning for bonds, just an ugly morning across the board. Yeah, the markets were really not set up for this. Uh, everybody's been expecting inflation prints to trend lower, and this one obviously didn't. I think it's really difficult to get to that last mile, that 2% Fed target. And I think Larry McDonald said something on Twitter today that I thought was pretty good. He said, if you're trying to lose 20 pounds, and I'm paraphrasing here, uh, the first 10 is pretty easy, but getting that second 10 is uh, really difficult. So I think the Fed has uh, some work ahead of them. Uh, they're not cutting in March, as uh, Powell said, in January. And now it looks like the May meeting is off the table as expectations drop pretty significantly. I still think June is possible. But look, I think you know the Fed typically cuts rates or starts a rate cutting cycle after uh, markets either dislocate. Um, whether it's stocks or bonds. And we really haven't seen that much. Uh, today is one day. Uh, it's not a trend. And possibly if there is a, a liquidity problem, let's say if the regional banks uh, have some big problem, maybe they'll step in front of that. 
Uh, perhaps if there's some sort of event that I hope doesn't happen, like a war or terrorism, they'll be involved in that as well. But uh, right now, I think they're just on pause. And I've been in that camp of the longer for higher for longer camp. And I think that's kind of where we are. Yeah. Uh, Tom, we're going to talk a little bit more about asset prices in just a second, but just to recap the news of the day on the CPI print to give folks a little bit of context about what this means. Uh, year over year, we came in at 3.1% uh, over an expected 29 This is a decline uh, from December's 3.4% year over year print. Uh, but again, as you point out, still way too high. We've got some interesting charts to take a look at this, just to be a sense of visually what we're talking about here. Probably the most striking one uh, is the cumulative price change uh, since January 2016. You can see on this chart, just this eight-year drift higher, uh, essentially 30% loss in terms of purchasing power, 30% increase in the general level of prices not evenly distributed. Certain folks are getting hit even harder. I mean, boy, that is just a really dispiriting chart. That's a gut punch. That tells you what's been happening here. And by the way, it's something that the trajectory, when you look at this chart, something that's really compelling. You see that 2020 uh, recession bar there. Obviously, that's COVID. You see the decline uh, when we had those, uh, those significant disinflation. Uh, but but man, this is a long-term trend, and, and it's a painful one for individuals. It's a painful one for corporates, painful one for governments. You're right. And you know we have to remember, uh, prices are just going up slower than, um, than they were previously. They're still going up. And that, I think, is going to continue to hit the consumer uh, over time. And uh, you, know, you go back and look from pre-COVID to, to now, Prices are still remaining very, very high, um, and shelter is a big component, and there's a lot of people that have talked about how shelter will eventually come down. I'm not quite sure about that. It hasn't come down as fast as people want it. There are a lot of components in there that are dropping. Wages remain very sticky. I think the jobs data continues to show a very uh, tight labor market, and that is a, is a problem for the Fed. They would love to declare victory and cut rates, doing a, you know, not necessarily, you know, an emergency cut, but perhaps like a maintenance cut to just sort of keep things going. And, and that's possible in May. Uh, and certainly if earnings start to deteriorate uh, this quarter, yeah, maybe that that'll be uh, starting to get priced in a little bit more. But today, everything was priced out. Yeah. You know, it's I sometimes struggle to kind of express just how problematic and difficult this inflation environment can be. As you point out, price is still going up. And by the way, those are compounding numbers, right? So you're seeing those constant increases in pricing. That's how you wind up uh, essentially getting a 30% pay cut at your job uh, against its purchasing power. You've done okay here uh, if you own assets. If you're someone uh, who has got a large portfolio, they're rising faster than the price of goods and services. Uh, but boy, for a lot of families, this means just an incredible amount of pain. Let me just give you one other point here to talk to, Tommy. Uh, Comex Gold, I'm reading right now, Wall Street Journal headline, settles one and a quarter percent lower, 1,992, lost the 2,000 handle there. Boy, you, to your point, talk about nowhere to hide. Yeah, nowhere to hide. Um, it, it's it's really, um, look, I think it, I, I think there's two, two people that buy gold, um, those people that always buy gold. And I know some people that are extraordinarily rich by just always buying gold and they hold it and they'll never sell it. And then you have a lot of touristy type people that um, 
to think the Fed's going to cut and that's going to help gold and boom, that's uh, what they want. So they moving in, in and out of it. And today I think that they were moving out of it. And look, I think that 2000 is sort of an, a significant big round number for gold. Um, gold, you know, the dollar versus gold broke through that today. Uh, GDX uh, just was murdered today as well. And that that could continue to go even lower. So I, it's just it's a, it's a difficult market. Um, I mean, look, one day doesn't make a trend. I think that um, a lot of divergences have been happening with momentum indicators, uh, sentiment indicators. Sentiment remains very very bullish right now, and so I think the market was caught flat-footed uh, by this print. And I, I think that look, if we break today's lows over the next few days, the buy the dip crowd are going to feel a bit discouraged. And that's always the the way tops are made. So it's not necessarily one day is it. And I'm cautious regarding, uh, you know, saying, oh, here we go. We're going to have a 10% pullback. The risk, I think, is next week when it when we have NVIDIA. And NVIDIA has been such a monster. It's It's I think $600 billion in market cap increase from, from the beginning of the year. And that's a little over six times 2025 total revenues. So six times revenues for 2025. And the last time, the last two reports that NVIDIA had that were uh, AI focused, the stock sold off. And that I think is possible again. And just because you have so many people that are involved in this, and if it's not good enough, and I'm certainly um, not saying that it won't be good enough, I'm saying that it's going to be great. Uh, but sometimes, uh, like we saw in the last two quarters, uh, great isn't good enough, and uh, people take profits. Hey, everyone, we're going to take a quick break right now to hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing. Whether you're a crypto newbie, an established investor, or operating a business in Web3, tax season can be an absolute headache, but it doesn't have to be a nightmare. That's where Crypto Tax Calculator comes in. The software platform founded in 2018 by brothers Shane and Tim Burnett, crypto fanatics who were fed up with the complexity of doing their taxes. As Coinbase's official global tax partner, Crypto Tax Calculator focuses on simplifying complex transactions, supporting over 300,000 currencies across Ethereum, Arbitrum, Optimism, as well as 1,000 other integrations. It's as simple as connecting your wallet, pulling in all your transactions, and following the automated suggestions to quickly and accurately calculate your tax obligations. Finally, 2024 is a year when crypto investors can do their taxes with speed and confidence. Make taxes this year easy and affordable with Crypto Tax Calculator. Sign up at realvision.com forward slash CTC and get a 30% discount with the code RV30 at checkout. After the holidays, we could all use a little extra cash in our pockets, especially after all the gift giving we still need to buy the everyday things we need. Make sure you're getting cash back on all your everyday purchases with Ibotta. 
Ibotta is a free app that gives you the most cash back every time you shop on hundreds of items from groceries to beauty supplies to toys. So you can make sure you're beating inflation no matter what you're purchasing. Other apps give you points that don't amount to much. With Ibotta, just add your favorite offers in the app, upload your receipts, and you'll get real cash back that you can cash out to your bank account, PayPal, or gift cards. Join over 50 million savers and earn cash back every time you shop from over 2,700 brands and retailers, including Lowe's, Macy's, Sephora, Best Buy, and more. Right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 just for trying Ibotta by using the code REALVISION when you register. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app to start earning cash back and make use of code REALVISION. That's I-B-O-T-T-A in the Google Play or App Store and use the code REALVISION. Tom, let's talk a little bit about uh, those sentiment uh, head uh, tailwinds that we've been seeing over uh, several months now, over a year. I mean, S&P 500 uh, on the year to date up about uh, almost 4.5%, trailing 12 months up about 20%, trailing 12 months on S&P 500. NASDAQ 100 uh, up on the year uh, over 6%, trailing 12 months up 40%. So to your point on the sentiment, uh, some positives are earnings growth. Uh, what do you see there in terms of the this? You, and you talked about Nvidia as a potential bellwether here, as something that could break that. Uh, but what have traders been thinking as we've seen this run up in U.S. equities? Well, it's hard for an active manager because you can't just put all your money into the Mag Seven or the Mag Six or the Mag Three, however many you want to count now that matter. Uh, again, Nvidia has been about thirty-five to almost forty percent of the total gain this year within the S&P and NASDAQ. Uh, so it's just become more narrow. And a lot of people, we're all, we're all talking about it. It's very narrow. Uh, but you do have soldiers dying on the field and the generals are still leading. And that, I think, uh, I'm not calling the top there with that, but I think that that's typically what happens. You have these, these mega cap names do all the work and then you start to see sectors and things break down. And then those big cap names one by one fall by the wayside. And you know, I've talked about Tesla, that's down hard this year. Um, I still am short the stock, and um, I'm I don't have a position in Nvidia. Um, I'll wait and watch how that that plays out. But I think that right now it's just uh, it's very frustrating for those that are active managers. If you're just long the S and P or Nasdaq, that's your thing. Well, you know, everything looks fine, but you have to ask yourself each day, you know, would I buy it again today? Um, that's some, something that a lot of people would probably say, no, I don't want to buy it here. I'm, I'm long already. Uh, so it's just a, it's, it's, it's a challenge. Um, and, you know, look, February is always a tricky month. The second half of February is the worst two weeks uh, historically uh, of the year, the worst two rolling period weeks of the year. So I think that there's there's risk uh, to the downside. And, and again, NVIDIA, everything rides on NVIDIA for next week. And if they disappoint or let's just say they impress and the stock goes down, uh, I think that's going to take the market down another leg. Tom, you mentioned uh, some of your short positions there. Talk a little bit about what you're short, why you're short, and what it means for the broader market. 
Well, I'm looking at Airbnb and I have a small short in that and it's trading up 6%. So yay me. Um, not, not, a, not a big position, but uh, uh, every travel company's missed earnings and it's been a, a disaster. I, I didn't have a high uh, amount of confidence going in on, on this one. Uh, and we'll see you know, if it fades from here. Uh, but uh, certainly, I think travel's starting to slow. Um, other shorts, um, what do I want to mention that I'm short that people will rag on me about? Um, hmm. I'd rather not say. I'm Actually, I'm short regional banks. I'm short KRE. And I think that, look, if interest rates go up, that's going to weigh on the banks. Uh, and, the, and of course, commercial real estate, uh, that's awful for, for them. Uh, I read today that uh, the average office property in New York City is down around 25 to 30%. That's a lot. And that, I think, when you have a lot of refinancing, higher rates, lower prices, it's just going to make it really challenging for them. And there's a lot of banks that are, you know, lugging a lot of commercial real estate loans. So there's, there's that risk. It's, it just stays out there. And it hasn't necessarily blown up. But I think that it's just going to weigh on the banks for the, especially the regional banks for for a while. Well, if you're short KRE, this is the Spider S and P Regional Banking ETF. You're doing quite well, off 11 percent year to date on a trailing 12 month basis, off nearly 26 percent, down nearly 26 percent trailing 12 months. Yeah, it's 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 challenging out there, and and trust me, I I'm. I have all sorts of challenges uh, trying to find ideas to short, and it's it it certainly hasn't been an easy year. Uh, I look, I'm I didn't have I had a tiny bit of Meta covered that super quick. Um, that that was a very small position, uh, but look, they executed beautifully. Uh, they have a lot of levers to pull. Uh, companies like Microsoft, I'm sort of skeptical about. Uh, there was a nasty. Wall Street Journal report today saying that their co-pilot is not, the uptake is not that great. And I've heard some other stories that people are saying that it's just like, well, why do I need to pay $30 uh, to have dumb AI written for me when I can have a dumb employee write it for me? That's actually a true story. Somebody wrote, wrote to me that uh, in my chat room today. Tell me, to what extent is this rally that we've seen? Uh, obviously, we talked about the narrow breadth of it predicated on this AI thesis, uh, obviously so much of it in terms of the uh, large cap tech that has exposure to this being priced. How do you think about that uh, when you put these bets on? So I, 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 have, um, I have some very smart clients and one who was a former uh, institutional investor, telecom analyst, uh, wrote it very succinctly to about, let's compare the dot-com bubble. Uh, and he was right in the forefront of that. And he said that there, there are companies that are gonna build out the AI infrastructure and companies that built out the internet infrastructure uh, were making a lot of money. Cisco, uh, Sienna, Juniper Networks, uh, a few others, Nortel, they're no longer with us. Uh, and then there were the ones that were the uh, the telecom companies, the the CLEX and, uh, phone companies that were selling the internet access to people. Uh, and they were buying tons of routers from Cisco and such. And then 
at the bottom half, which we didn't really know at the time, were the ones that were going to take advantage of the internet and, and really capitalize and monetize the internet. So going backwards, looking at now, we have uh, NVIDIA, AMD, uh, some others that are just, you know, they can't fill the orders that they have for all their AI chipsets. And, and they're just going nuts, just similar to very similar looking chart to Cisco uh, and a few others uh, back then. Yeah. Uh, and they made money back then as well. But then they started to fall off as the internet was fully built out. And we're not there yet, obviously, with AI. And the ones in the middle that are selling it are the AWS and the Azure, the cloud service companies that are buying all that chip stuff. And then we really don't know in AI which companies are going to monetize it and show the massive gains uh, of profitability because that hasn't really occurred yet. You don't, you really didn't see profitability in Microsoft uh, for their AI co-pilot. They didn't really talk about it that much on their call. Uh, I think Alphabet will monetize it, but they're going to give it away for free. That's one thing that uh, they're able to do. Um, they'll probably have some way of monetizing it, but uh, sometimes when you give it away for free, you get more eyeballs and more customers. And that they did that successfully, um, you know, in the, that towards the end of the dot-com bubble. Uh, so I think that there's there are these companies out there that maybe we don't know about that I'm on the alert for. Uh, I mean, and you, a couple other companies that uh, are, you know, AI plays, Adobe, Oracle, those companies really didn't show any true AI profits on their last earnings call. They have all this, you know, these new products that they're going to do and they talk about it, but it's not really translating into to profits yet. So I think it's still early with AI of who's going to be the big winners and who's going to monetize it. So I think, look, NVIDIA is monetizing it right now, but going back, it's very similar to the way Cisco was. Boy, John, oh, this is coming in. Hate mail. Ooh. Tom, this is why we love having you on the show, because these, these metaphors, these analogies are very powerful. I mean, this great sort of question, uh, do you know whether you own Cisco or Amazon? Uh, if you look at those charts, I mean, I remember back when I was uh, one of the young guys on Wall Street in uh, 2000, you know, Amazon lost 95% of its value between December of 1999 and September of 2001. Uh, obviously, significant recovery. I mean, if you look at that chart, it's just off the they edge, made they Yeah, wait, hold on. They were up sixty three hundred percent. Okay, so that's a big number. Um, and I I traded back then, and it was just insane. It was very similar uh, the types of moves that we're seeing now. It's just the market cap of what these companies now are going up uh, were is just so much more significant than back then. And right. that I think is just extraordinary. I mean, to go up six hundred billion dollars in six weeks. Um, that is incredible. And again, more power to you if you're long NVIDIA. Congratulations. Uh, don't forget to ring the register uh, along the way. Just makes sense uh, to do that just because these things, everything will fall back to earth. Um, and, you know, again, next week's earnings are going to be just incredible. Um, and we'll see, you know, where their guidance is. I mean, there was a you know, super micro. I mean, this one, I mean, I put out a tweet today saying, or an X Twix, what do you call it? Anyway, I put it out today saying, you know, 
level one CFA, never short a stock that has super in its name. I mean, that, you know, that's level one. You you know that. I mean, come on, don't short super, nothing. It's, no. So it just keeps going up. People keep upping their price targets to one up each other. And that's very similar to the dot-com bubble as well. I mean, we had, you know, going back to the telecom analyst, we had all these, you know, people putting wild price targets on, on things. Qualcomm was one. I mean, it took Qualcomm, I think, 15 years to get back to its old high. We're going to take another quick break to hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing. I think we all know by now, things are pretty fucked out there for most of us. You see, whether it's currency debasement, rising real estate prices or wages that never go up, it's really hard. And one of the most popular things we ever did was that series, How to Unfuck Your Future. So we're going to do it again. March 11th, March 22nd. We'll discuss the problems at hand, no holds barred, and then we'll give you all the tips you need to unfuck your future. It just costs a dollar to join Real Vision to get access to all of this content. Go to realvision.com forward slash the future. I'll see you there. Let's unfuck your future together. I mean, Amazon itself was underwater for a hundred months, but you you bring something up that's really interesting. Cisco though, still is, is, and so is Intel. Yeah, Cisco never regained its uh, its whatever it was May two thousand highs to date. Here we are having this yeah, conversation. Yeah, and they, they make years they later. make boatloads of money. Right, but that gets into the the question that you were teasing, which is when you see a stock that's going up on a percentage basis, and it's as mature as these stocks are. And they're making as much money. Where do you find the next half a trillion dollars in incremental revenue? I mean, that... it's the future, Ash. Don't ask questions and you know burst people's bubble here. Um, I don't know, uh, but look, growth is growth, and and we, you know you mentioned it earlier that you know where's the growth coming from? Apple's not growing. Uh, Tesla's definitely not growing. They're declining. Uh, I, look, I, I I think that people are chasing growth, and that is the uh, play of the, the play of the day. And it, it trade it until it stops working, and that's kind of how it how the dot com bubble ended as well. All right, let me ask you this: as someone who's been looking at this literally for decades, what are some of the potential early warning signs that you see that there might be exhaustion in some of the price action on these equities that are being priced for massive? rip and growth. What are some of the things that might happen before the collapse that people who are watching this show can put as a dashboard gauge on their screen? Well, besides me buying it, um, that is, you know, that's the obvious one. Um, I look, I think that the risk is that you, you, you make a new high, it goes down and it fails to make a, another new high. And that's sort of the, the, the way the buy the dip uh, people uh, lose faith in in what they're doing because they, they buy every dip, it goes up, makes a new high. This is an easy game. But it's when that stops working. And that's why like today was a you know an absolute bloodbath of a day. And you'll probably have the market bounce back up on I don't know what, but it'll bounce back up. But if it doesn't make a new high, and then it fails to make a high and the buy the dip people kind of get caught out. We make a new low. 
that's just kind of what I want to see. Tops are processes. They're not necessarily, you know, one indicator that's going to do it. But again, we've seen tons of, of divergences that have started to really show up. And, you know, I'm, I'm pulling out my hair, looking at them going, oh my God, I'm just watching the, the S&P and the Qs go up and I'm, you know, just, you know, amazed. And, you know, look, every market is different, but generally speaking, those indicators tend to work and preview sort of, you know, weakness ahead. On the other hand, I would be thrilled to see the market down because I'd like to be a buyer. And this has been a market over the last year where it just hasn't afforded anybody really great, you know, durable buying opportunities. And, and part of that is because portfolio managers that are underweight these things will buy every dip because they have to keep up with the indices. And that is what's happening. So well said. Uh, we've got lots of questions coming in from Mr. Thornton. Uh, Tom, I don't know if we have time to do all these. What do you say? I want to do a quick speed round just to even get some of these uh, addressed because there are a lot yeah, of- My really Airbnb is only up 2%, so I can eat tonight. It's not going to kill me. <laughs> uh, Macro Butler wants to know, Tommy, what's your view on the USD uh, in the context of the return of the inflation boomerang? Could we see new highs H1 2024? The dollar. Well, you know, I on my notes, I've been talking about a stronger dollar that's been starting to materialize. It happened, you know, really sort of showed up today. But we've also seen higher rates. And so I, I think that the dollar could go up. And I, I watched uh, dollar yen. And that is, yeah, we're at uh, 150.79. I think the Bank of Japan has a problem um, with the, the weaker yen. And so I still I still have DeMarc countdowns that are continuing higher for the dollar uh, and the, the yen weakening. So I think that there's still risk there uh, for that higher dollar. I'm not talking, I'm not going to state that uh, we're going to hit new highs. That's um, not an easy one. And I can make the case, uh, the bearish case for the dollar as well. Uh, but you know, currently right now, um, that's that's been working and that's the trend that I see. Here's one from G Blackbird. Tommy, can the consumer maintain spending or are they getting close to tapped out? Well, before we got on the air, um, I, you know, you, 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 your producer, uh, Brian, said, hey, do you have any shades for your office? And I don't have any shades. Uh, my wife is an interior designer and her, her office is on the other side of the building. I can't afford the shades. They're just too much. Uh, I think the consumer is getting tapped out. I think the consumer um, has started to look at uh, spending a little less here and there. I mean, the high-end consumer is still nuts. Um, they're, they're buying Hermes Birkin bags left and right, you know, one for each arm now. Uh, that's the trend, uh, so I'm told. But uh, yeah, the, the high-end consumer is still there. Uh, you've seen a lot of high-end uh, uh, consumer uh, companies like Ralph Lauren's done great. Uh, that's when I was I was long a lot lower, and I thought I was a hero taking a profit. Again, too early on that. That's the story of my life. But I, I think that the lower end consumer is um, is going to feel some stress, and uh, it's it's not necessarily there yet because we haven't seen the job uh, declines, uh, start. And if that starts to happen, yeah, well then it's going to be pretty front and center and we'll talk about it and people will say, yeah, you, that's happening. But, 
look, I think lending is tight. I think that uh, people are continuing to spend on credit cards. They're doing buy now, pay later uh, to get things, you know, to keep their lifestyle going. So I think that it's it's out there, but it's not necessarily evident. We're going to have retail sales on Thursday. Um, I was joking with a few people saying today, you know, if you get the big envelope from American Express, that's when you spend a lot. Um, I keep mine very small um, just because I'm sort of frugal. I'm really kind of proud of being very frugal. Well, you know, this sort of is is the challenge when you talk about this this bifurcation of markets. Uh, folks, folks who are shopping out on Greenwich Avenue, this is probably news to them. Uh, but there are a lot of consumers in this country that are really, really hurting, and this is this is a challenge that we see between yeah. us. You know, yeah, where where I live, um, and I don't live, you know, extravagant extravagant like uh, some people on Greenwich Avenue, and uh, you know, certainly, um, you know, there are people that you know. You could have the market go to 2000 on the S&P and they're still going to Hermes and, you know, out to dinner and ordering the nicest bottles, bottles of wine. Uh, so that's going to continue. But I have talked to some uh, restaurants um, in the area and, and they see people sharing uh, plates more often, which kind of drives them crazy, uh, ordering a little lesser priced wine. I mean, maybe that's just me. But uh, that, I think, is, uh, you know, just little things like that that start to add up. Again, once we see jobs, the unemployment rates start to go up, then the consumer is going to it's going to be front and center. Yeah. Uh, here's a question I think you already answered from Michael Cole, NVDA, the CSCO of 2024. Yeah, I think we talked about that one. Uh, Glenn Ham, Tommy, give us an update on the triple Q Fibonacci levels. Boy, this is a great question right in your wheelhouse. Fibonacci levels. Well, I haven't, I, I actually, I don't have um, any Fibonacci levels. I mean, I can run this chart right now. Um, I, I think that the, the more important thing is that we did see a uh, recent DeMarc sell countdown 13s. We got a little bit of overthrow, a um, little bit residual momentum, as they say, uh, on those. But uh, we did have a price flip down, which was basically trading, you know, Today below closed below uh, four bars back. Like I, I think the main thing is just you know watching some levels. I mean it's hard to do Fibonacci levels at this level here. I mean it, at this price. I mean if you really want, I can get wonky and give you some you know dire stuff. I mean hold on, I'll do it. I can do it. You I love that. I, I got the tools. I got the tools, and you know what? It's good live live TV. I love this. They're not doing that on the major cable networks. I can assure you. No, no, no. They're only telling you to buy and, you know, wearing, you know, fancy jackets. Uh, but I'm you gonna... got a compliment on your vest while you're running the chart. Yeah, I thank you. I appreciate that. This was uh, this was my only Christmas present that uh, that I bought myself. Uh, I, you know, I don't know if anybody else does that. So the worst case scenario. No, I'm not going to give you that one. Oh, yeah, no. I'll put it on Twitter. Uh, the worst case scenario Fibonacci level drop uh, from an absolute retracement using a DeMarc signal. I'll, I'll tell you right now on the cues, 264.84. I'm not saying that's coming, but those are like the biggest dire, horrible ones. I mean, uh, I'll do a shorter term one. 
shorter that's term, a... or, shorter term, the first level I see is four hundred four seventy two. Okay, um, and and when I say that that dire one there, I can show examples where those really dark, deep targets actually happened. I mean, in it, the at the top in the market in two thousand eight or two thousand eight or seven. I'm, I lose. Someone in my firm said, "Oh, run one of those," and I came up with um, a target of six ninety. Now I, I was wrong because we went to six six six, but that was at fifteen hundred on the S and P. So those are the darkest of the dark, and I don't want to, you know, scare people into selling things uh, that they shouldn't. But uh, that's the the worst case scenario. I can't see my. Hold on, Airbnb. It's flat. Okay. Ooh. It's tough. I mean, it's I you know that I've been I trade sometimes uh after hours and we had these classic real vision daily briefings when Elon Musk would tweet about GME or or some of these yep. crazy meme stock stuff and I was just like and there it goes and Ash we have we have good times doing this. Yes, we do. Always always enjoy these Tom. We've covered a tremendous amount of ground here today as we always do in these conversations. Final thoughts, key takeaways that you'd like to leave our listeners and our viewers with. Well, look, it's a long year and you've already seen some fairly decent gains in, in some things. I think it's uh, prudent to take a little off the table uh, just because in case you start to see something dip, uh, you certainly can always buy it back. And I'm not saying sell all your portfolio, but take some profits. If you take 10% off, you might be able to buy back that 10% off or you know get 10 per, 10% off the market and buy it back. I think it, you just have to stay very flexible in your thinking um and again I, nothing really goes up to the you know to the moon um without having some um you know a little bit of pullbacks here and there. So I think it's just we're we're in a place right now where there's risk with higher rates. Uh I think the Fed's on hold. I think but, you by the have, way, I have to give you I have to give you credit here uh, for the what? great great image you used on today's hedge fund telemetry. Uh, it's Ivan Drago, and the caption is "I must break you." Staring yeah, well, down the, you. I mean, that's, that's the thing. the The market it, it's not easy to break, and tops are processes, and not everything tops on one day. I mean, maybe it did today. I don't know, but I think that the bottom line is we're starting to see some weakness across different sectors. I will say I, I do still like the energy sector as a long place to be. They're executing brilliantly. Crude is starting to lift. If you got crude above 80 WTI, it's at 79, 77.79. If you get above 80, I think you're going to have some alarm bells go off. And I think that the crude area can work. So those are, I'm not all short. I like some longs. And I, I even like, as much as people are going to just laugh, I like Alibaba long. I think that they're buying back a quarter of their, their float. I think you have insider buying that's interesting. They're trying to do stuff, which we know that uh, could pay off. It trades at eight times earnings, which uh, meta trade at eight times earnings at their low. So I'm not saying it's going to go up fourfold, but I think it can work. Tom, I know we ran a little bit over today. Thank you so much uh -oh. for joining us. Such a great day. Uh, an important note uh, to make on all the action we saw today. Always a pleasure to do this with man. These are great shows. Love it. Ash, we just always have these nice conversations. Um, 
And it's always nice that everybody joins us. So thank you so much, everyone. Stay safe. Thanks for watching, everybody. And by the way, before we go, uh, just a quick note to say, keep an eye out tomorrow for Real Vision's Valentine's Day special. That's it for today. Uh, we'll be back soon. Great for you to join us. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this episode. At Real Vision, we arm you with the expert knowledge, time-efficient tools, and a powerful network to help you succeed on your financial journey. Get a taste of financial freedom with our free offer at realvision.com forward slash free. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com.